The second section of Psalms, known as the Exodus Psalms, remind us that the God who redeemed us is still with us. In fact, He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Today, we join Scott Pauling in opening God's roadmap for life. Find your place in the Word of God in the Psalms, and let's discover what God has for us along the way. The Psalms, in so many ways, uh, mirror real life. For example, there's a, an ebb and flow in the Psalms. We, we move from Psalms of prayer, from desperate hearts, to then praising God, and then back to dealing with enemies, and then back to thanking God. <laughs> Isn't that like life? Uh, it's not always the same. No, there's an ebb and a flow in it. And I think that's the, the right word and analogy to use, especially today, because when you come to Psalm 69, you read these words, Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Psalm 69 is a, a psalm that tells us what to do in deep water. We all get into deep water. Moses and Israel, they, they got into some deep water, didn't they? But they saw God's power there. Noah got into some deep water, but he saw the Lord bring him through. Uh, Jonah got into deep water uh, through his own disobedience. You remember the depths of the sea, and yet there he learned something about the love and pity of God. Uh, the disciples were in deep water in the middle of the night, but that's exactly where the Lord came walking to them and saying, Peace be still. Uh, the Apostle Paul He'd been in deep water. If you don't believe me, listen to his testimony in Acts chapter 27 and uh, his shipwreck. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about imperils of water. Uh, you see, all of God's people at some point find themselves in deep water. I'm glad to report to you today that God does His deepest work in the deep waters. He once said to His disciples, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. You see, God provides great blessings and great lessons for us in the deep places of life that you can't get in the shallow end. As a boy, I wanted desperately to learn to swim, and I tried. I really did try, and I took lessons. But you know when I finally learned to swim? When somebody took me down on the deep end of the pool and gave me a gentle nudge and got me in the water, off the side of the pool, out of the shallow end, you know, sometimes when you get to the place in life where your feet can't touch the bottom, or in the words of the psalmist, when the waters have come into your soul, when you're sinking in deep mire, when there is no standing, it's at that moment that you learn what to do in deep water. The question is not, what will it be? It could be anything. We don't know exactly what David was dealing with when he wrote Psalm 69. Uh, the question is, what do you do when you find yourself in that deep water? First of all, let me give you the counsel that comes to us from the Word of God. In verse 5, he says, O God, Thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from Thee. Number one, when you find yourself in deep water, the first thing you should always do is make sure your own heart is right with God. Confess any known sin. Ask the Lord to show you any sin you don't know about. You know, it's so easy when you get in deep water to start blaming everybody else for your circumstances. But the first thing we all must do is we must look at ourselves. Am I here because of something I've done? That's not always the case. Every time trouble comes, is isn't because we've done something wrong. But sometimes, sometimes it is that we've been a Jonah. 
Other times, it's that we are a Job. Sometimes you just can't explain it. But you must always begin with the question, Lord, is it I? Is there something here that needs to be dealt with? Get your own heart right with God. And then, not only should you get your own heart right with God, you should remember when you're in deep water that others are watching. Listen to verse 6. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. This is interesting to me. Once he is certain there's nothing between him and God, he immediately turns his attention outward to others around him. Instead of getting fixated on his own problems, he starts thinking about how others will view his God while he's in the midst of this deep water. You know, we can get so fixated on ourselves in the storms of life, so consumed about our trouble, that's all we talk about, that if we're not careful, we rob glory from God and we give others the idea that the Lord is not enough. Did you notice the difference between the expression in verse 6 and the expression in verse 7 where he says, for my sake and for thy sake? Look, remember, when you got into deep water, it was for his sake. God let you get there. So while you're there, don't lead others away from him for your sake. Be more concerned with His cause than your own. Be more consumed with His glory than your relief. When you get in deep water, remember that somebody else is watching. And then thirdly, and this is really what Psalm 69 is, offer your prayer to God. In verse 13, he says, But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord. By the way, that's the only person you can answer for is yourself. As for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God... In the multitude of thy mercy, hear me. In the truth of thy salvation, deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Do you see what he does? He turns his complaint into communion with God. It's all right to bring your trouble to someone. You just need to bring it to the one person who can do something about it, and that is God. Do you see the progression here? He looks to himself to make sure he's right with God. He looks to others to make sure he's not leading someone else away. And then ultimately, he looks to the Lord. This is the great need we all have. And you notice in his prayer, he gets more consumed with the fact that he is in God's mercy than the fact that he's in deep mire. Get heaven's perspective on it. That's what prayer does. I've marked in my Bible in verse 2 the word in. He said, I sink in deep mire, literally over my head. I am come into deep waters. He's consumed with what he's in when the psalm opens. But in verse 14, he says, Deliver me out of the mire, out of the deep waters. Friend, only God can do that, and he only does that when we truly learn to pray. In verse 15, he says, Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. It's a picture of death. He said, Lord, I I think I might die unless you break through. I think I'm not going to make it unless you do something here. But... In the midst of his prayer, God steps in and God begins to work. He says in verse 16, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Friend, God's mercy is greater than your trouble. The depth of God's love is much deeper than the deep water you find yourself in today. There is more mercy in Him than sin in us. There is more mercy in God than trouble in our world. Did you know that Psalm 69 is a messianic psalm? That's right. Some Bible teachers even believe he may have quoted portions of Psalm 69 along along with Psalm 22 from the cross. 
It's a psalm of Christ's humiliation and rejection. It is a, a psalm that gives us a picture of Gethsemane even. Listen, listen to the voice of Christ in Psalm 69 and you'll hear the voice of a man praying in deep waters. And yet, may I say to you, the same God who brought Christ through His depths will bring you through your depths. You see, beyond the deep water, there is a destination. We've been concentrating on the first half of Psalm 69. But if you start in verse 18 through the rest of the psalm, He leads you beyond the deep water. He says in verse 19, Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. Verse 35, For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there. Friend, beyond the deep water, there's a destination. In John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, Christian and Hopeful had to cross some deep water. They had to cross the river. But on the other side of the deep water, there was a destination. The celestial city was waiting. And I want you to know that when you get in deep water, that's not the end. No, God's going to set you on the other shore soon. And when you get there, you're going to look back and give God all the glory. I wonder today, if you're in deep mire, would you make sure you're right with God? Would you remember that others are watching? And then would you offer your prayer to God? In the ebb and flow of life, you'll see God work in your deep water. If you would like more information on knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way, or more information on growing in your faith, please visit us at scottpauley.org. We would love to hear from you. From there, you may also download your free copy of A Ready Reference of the Psalms to help you in our current study. We are praying that God will guide you today and that you will enjoy the journey.